And good morning, everyone, and all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. This is Sunday, May 9th, 2021. To all the mothers all over the world who are listening to us, without you, we would not be here. So one and all, happy Mother's Day. It was so interesting because last night, um, obviously, after the show we didn't get to do because of computer problems, I went upstairs and felt bad and thought, okay, what can I do to feel better? Then I realized I had taped Saturday Night Live and Elon Musk. And we're going to talk about uh, what he did uh, kind of later in the show. But they had kind of devoted the theme of SNL last night to mothers. And all the cast had their mothers there. And what was really interesting, Elon Musk had his mother there. And thereby hangs another tale. Anyway, we'll get to that uh, momentarily. Uh, Top of the news tonight, um, you can all now come outside. You can put away your Air Raid Warden hats because the Chinese rocket, the Long March 5, the huge first stage that lofted the first segment of the 10-unit Chinese space station into orbit a couple of days ago, it safely fell to Earth and it fell safely, meaning it fell into the ocean. Although it's so interesting because the Chinese published exact coordinates and it turns out it was, I think, northwest of the um, uh, islands that are just south of India. Um, and I'm, I'm spacing on the name of the island chain. The U.S. Space Command, which, of course, you know, watches every sparrow, they refuse to corroborate what the Chinese have said in terms of latitude and longitude of the splashdown. Most of it, of course, burned up on uh, entry. But I have a feeling that our guys don't want to let the Chinese know how good we are at knowing exactly where they they re-entered, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's more, uh, you know, cat and mouse. That's item number one. Now, for new, folks who are new to the show, you want to go to the other side of midnight.com and you want to click on tonight's banner, which says rather grandly, the art and architecture of the planet Mars. Actually, it says Mars, planet of war. And we struck out war because... Really, as we've said now many, many times, um, this place is really a planet of art, exquisite art, as you're going to hear and see later on this morning, and architecture. And uh, we've got some amazing new architecture on Mars to talk about. And, well, I'll I'll just let uh, Bob kind of get into that when we get to that section of the program this morning. Anyway, if you click on the banner which says Planet Mars or Mars Planet of War, slashed out war, art and architecture, click on that. That takes you to the guest page. And then right under, you'll see fast links to various items. Click on my items. That takes you to Radio with Pictures where we have my items lined up. Item number one is, of course, the Chinese rocket. Now, what's interesting is that NASA actually came out in the form of former Senator Bill Nelson who was the designee by President Biden to be the new head of NASA, the NASA administrator. And he made a very strong statement that what the Chinese are doing is kind of nuts. Because in this day and age, it's trivial to put into state-of-the-art rockets a mechanism where either it re-enters on a controlled re-entry, meaning you fire the engine. There's always fuel left in these things, always fuel. And they're all restartable engines. 
So when Musk launches something, and the first stage, of course, is returned to Earth and lands successfully, the second stage, which they haven't reached the, the degree of technological sophistication where they can return the, first, uh, the second stage to Earth intact, so what they do is they program in what's called a deorbit burn, and that is precisely time so that it falls, you know, safely somewhere in the middle of a deep ocean. Not so for some reason with the Chinese. Um, a few months ago, they launched the first one of this new series, and it wound up, when it re-entered, impacting a village on the Ivory Coast, and it damaged and apparently destroyed several homes. Fortunately, nobody was injured or killed. And then this launch, they did the same thing. So either they do not know how to safely re-enter their boosters, which of course is inconceivable, or uh, I, I, I talked to one Chinese watcher and he kind of uh, off the top of his head said, oh, they're doing it deliberately to show who's the big guy on the block, which of course makes zero sense because the whole world is upset with China because this thing could have fallen anybody and killed anybody and how does that elevate your standing in the world community? And how does it show your macho muscle when it's obvious you can't even control your own rocket? So his logic was not logical, and I'm kind of discounting it. I'm, there, there are two possibilities. One is <clears throat> that they literally have not done this. They've not put that hardware on the boosters to safely deorbit where they will do no harm, which I find kind of bizarre. Or number two... Maybe someone's interfering with their control mechanism, so when they try to do the burn, nothing happens because someone wants the Chinese to look bad in the face of the world. And if you think that's just wild, idle speculation, remember my scenario is that we are at war with somebody upstairs. And if we're at war and the Chinese were the first target because they got out of line, they were not good boys, they didn't follow the script, as the intel folks say repeatedly, they got off the reservation. I mean, that raises the question, have the Chinese been waiting in Mars orbit because they no longer have a spacecraft? Did someone take it out and they can't tell anybody because they would lose face? And they can't tell anybody that they've had a major problem, like maybe separation of lander from orbit. In other words, they have given us zero information on what's going on with their Mars mission in Mars orbit tonight. And it's been there for months. And of course, nobody can track it except the Chinese, because everything's encoded. And I don't think even the independent trackers have picked up a carrier so it raises all kinds of questions, not the least of which is why, when you're trying to become the new world superpower and you're trying to win friends and influence people in high places uh, around the world, kind of back in the beginning of the Cold War between us and the Soviet Union, why would you allow big, dangerous things to keep falling out of the sky if you had something you could do to prevent that? A, it makes you look bad, and B, if it wound up killing people, it would really make you look bad, and the whole Silk Road idea and all the Chinese influence all over the planet trying to supplant the United States, etc., would become another issue to be overcome. In other words, none of this, as a lot of this stuff, 
None of it makes sense. So, rather than waste time trying to make sense of things that don't make sense until we have more data, we will move on. Uh, item number two. Um, the um, Treasury Department, um, Janet Yellen, has picked now historical figures. Apparently, they're going to have 10 or more. Let me check just to make sure I have the right number here. They will have something like 20 women will be featured on quarters through 2025, with up to five women honored per year <clears throat> as a result of the Circulating Collectible Coin Redesign Act of 2020. And uh, the, sec the Secretary of the Treasury, who is Janet Yellen now, uh, was selected to pick two of the first women who will be um, celebrated on these quarters. Um, and the first one is Maya Angelou, Remember when she was the Poet Laureate and she, I'm trying to remember which president she gave the inaugural uh, reading of her poetry for many, many years ago. The second, um, and and the, uh, the kind of theme of the quarter is uh, based on her biography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Um, oh, she was the Poet Laureate at President Clinton's inauguration back in 93, and she died in 2014 when she was 86. The second woman they're going to be honoring is someone that I had the extraordinary honor of actually meeting, Dr. Sally Ride, who was the first NASA astronaut in 1983 to become the first American woman to fly into space. And I met her at Mission Control when I was there uh, covering things with um, Kevin Sanders for CNN. And she was so incredibly gracious and humble and not at all, you know, we used to use the term back in high school, grade school, stuck up from another era. She was just a person who happened to do something extraordinary. And um, uh, she died very prematurely of cancer. So they're honoring her um, in 2022, which will be when the quarters begin to come out. And um, I, I think it's totally appropriate. The other women, I don't know who they're picking yet, but uh, they've started out with a very strong field. And I have a feeling that that will continue. Item number three, um, as you know, NASA's been flying this amazing little gadget named Ingenuity, the first helicopter on Mars. Well, if you click on item number three, which I'm doing now, there is the actual sound from the fifth flight um, uh, of little Ingenuity on, on Mars at Jezero Crater. And I'm going to play a bit here. You can listen uh, on your on your in your own spare time. But this is very interesting because there are all kinds of kind of curious paradoxes about this. So uh, let's uh, let's see if I can get this called up properly. Listen very carefully. That's the Martian wind blowing past the microphone, on Percy, on the arm. There's a video, by the way, that accompanies this. Helicopter lifting off.
That's the helicopter. That hum is the motor spinning the blades at over 2,500 revolutions per minute. Now it's flying away. The motor sound gets fainter. coming back there she is She's hovering, descending to the surface, landed, touchdown. And that's the wind. What I want to know is how you hear that kind of wind <clears throat> at the equivalent density of the air of 100,000 feet over the planet. I mean, that's that's really kind of bizarre. And again, we're going to talk more about this in a few minutes. Now, this is the <clears throat> same helicopter in the 25-foot diameter uh, vacuum tank at JPL. And listen to this. Hear the whir of the blades? Again, this is supposed to be in a vacuum tank which has been evacuated down in CO2, solid CO2 atmosphere in there, 100%. And it's supposed to be one one hundredth of the pressure of the Earth's atmosphere that we're breathing right now. And motor off. Blade spinning down. I mean, they're not really equivalent because one's inside a tank and the other is out in the open air on the planet Mars. But let me pull up something which is very interesting here, if I can find this correct email. Because, as you know, I've been kind of looking over these blogs um, that are, are discussing and presenting 
uh, information from Ingenuity. And um, one of the insiders made a very curious comment um, the other day. And here it is. This is from somewhere uh, whose, whose code name is R. Lorentz. Um, and the quote is from Explorer 1, which is a code name. And he says, his first name is Ralph, that's all we know. The released audio <clears throat> is cleaned up a bit to take out some Zcam electromagnetic noise and the acoustic vibration signal of the MMRTG pump. But even in the raw audio, the heli is quite distinctly audible. This is the, the fun part. This was a pleasant surprise to us last weekend. Remember, this is an insider, one of the JPL people working on the team. As the distance to the helicopter was some 100 meters or so, 300 feet, and some models of the acoustic absorption of CO2 suggested we would not be able to detect anything. Well, as Church Lady would have said, isn't that special? Because why are we hearing something when the models say, <clears throat> even for the experts at JPL, we should be hearing nothing? Well, maybe, boys and girls at JPL, if you're listening tonight, it's because the atmosphere you think you have been working with is actually a lot denser than you have been told. I mean, is that conceivable? Again, we have all of these various lines of circumstantial evidence that on a range of things, NASA is living up to its name. When I was back at CBS, when I said, uh, you know, uh, I heard people muttering in the halls, correspondents and copy people and reporters and editors and whatever, and, you know, they said, blah, 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 blah. I said, what, what do you, NASA, never a straight answer. That was back then. Uh, is it possible they're not even telling their own people what the straight answers are? I mean, why should they be surprised that they can hear the helicopter when you heard how loud it was in the tank? Now, you mean they don't have models where they could have reduced the tank noise down to the equivalent of a Martian atmosphere? Again, with acoustic modeling and anoic chambers and all of, Anyway... Puzzle after puzzle after puzzle. Moving on. Item number five. Um, Elon Musk, apart from appearing on Saturday Night Live uh, last night, earlier in the week, a couple, three days earlier, conducted the first successful test of his starship, number SN15. Remember, up to now, he's done one through 10, no, one through 11, and they've all crashed and burned, you know, kind of what they call RUD, Rapid Unplanned Disassembly. Don't you love how engineers in the space biz have all these acronyms? So number 15 did not RUD. It landed like a feather and sat there, brilliant in the, in the cloudy day. How can you be brilliant on the cloudy day? But uh, if you click on item number five, that's a, a SpaceX direct link to the... Uh, launch video. It's amazing to see this in operation. They actually uh, flew her up uh, in, in a five-minute uh, test to 30,000 feet, and they 
during the upwards and downward motions, they turned on and off the, the three uh, Raptor engines, and they landed, I think, on one. And she landed, I mean, it was like gently as a swan coming in for a touchdown on an absolutely dead calm crystal lake. It was gorgeous. Just visually, it was gorgeous. What it means is that the Starship program, Musk program, to take civilians around the moon in the next few years and then on to Mars, made a giant, extraordinarily successful leap forward a couple, three days ago. And what was so weird is that when he hosted Saturday Night Live last night, not one mention of the stunning success that this means for his vision, which he talked about in the opening monologue, of taking humans to Mars. Just one of several curious little um, paradoxes that accompany Elon Musk and his activities wherever and whenever he goes. Okay, item number six. Right under item number five, which is the SpaceX test of SN15, the uh, British tabloid, the Express, decided today, based on the um, Musk appearance on Saturday Night Live, that they would do a kind of a deep dive into the background of his name, Elon. And you heard Ron, our own Ron Gerbrun, last week kind of go through the extraordinary interesting etymology of Elon's name, which ultimately traces back in the, in the uh, you know, uh, Old Testament to uh, judges, and a judge was not a judge like in a courtroom. In those days, it was more like a general term, chief executive, manager, president, governor, whatever. Um, what what uh, this, this article goes into is how Von Braun picked as a title of his chief manager of Von Braun's 1953 novelization of his engineering of sending humans to Mars. He picked as the title of his, quote, president or governor or general manager, whatever, of the colony, the name Elon, which again means judge. It means chief executive. When I saw Musk standing last night next to his mother, I mean, you got to see this. There's something remarkably interesting and so Emily Dickinson about that family. And I'll leave it to you when you see the video to come to your own conclusion. But I thought it was very interesting timing that the um, uh, the Express ran this, this article, which uh, Bob Harrison was kind enough to send to me this afternoon. Um, and the title is, Hitler's Nazi mastermind predicted how Elon would rule Mars after World War Two, so someone is sniffing down the trail. So with that as um, prologue, we've got about uh, uh, ten minutes till the bottom of the hour. Why don't I introduce who's going to be with us this morning? That'll be useful. Uh, Bob Harrison is going to be um, up first because he's made some new discoveries that are going to be very important to to cover. Uh, Bob is a uh, kind of independent now. He was a keen investor, and he achieved his dream of financial independence, and he retired in 2010, and of course, then he took up his real love, which is space, Sidonia. He got into this by uh, Carl Sagan's 
early speculations about the possible artificiality many decades ago of the Elysium Pyramids, and in uh, 2000 he began the website called Sidonia Quest, which, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, you really need to go and check it out. It's They're linked at the top of his bio, because it's it's everything you ever wanted to know, not just about Sidonia, but all kinds of other things that have kind of, you know, tripped into our path as this research has broadened and deepened and expanded far beyond uh, Sidonia. Uh, we have with us this morning Keith Morgan, who was with Ted Koppel and Nightline for over 30 years, and he uh, got intrigued with the Mars stuff when he purchased a copy of a book called The Monuments of Mars. That, that sounds very, very familiar. Anyway, um, we are incredibly fortunate that he's the uh, IT guy for the show and the chief audio engineer, and he's the one who's doing all the analysis of why my computers keep doing bizarre, very uncomputer-like things. So um, um, he is fighting the good fight, and he will have some things to say this morning as we move through this new data. Ron Gerbron is with us. Ron is, of course, uh, our proudly uncredentialed polymath. He's a generalist. Um, he did go to kind of like three or four universities for a while. And then he kind of realized that academia was not for him, and so he struck out on his own. And he is, uh, well, he's, he knows an awful lot about an awful lot of things. And as I said, just a couple of weeks ago, he did this incredible background on the name that Alan's mother chose for her darling son. And did she have any connection with von Braun? Did any relations of the family have any relations with von Braun? Again, questions, questions, questions. Um, Andrew Curry is with us. Now, you remember Andrew. He is our resident artist. He began his artistic career as a community public artist, uh, working with neighborhood groups, creating murals and stuff like that. He's also a graphic designer and illustrator, working for both Canadian companies and Hollywood. He does movies, he does television, he does storyboards. He does graphic novels, as you're going to see uh, in the not-too-distant future. And um, he also has a uh, degree in art therapy, which toward the end of the, of the evening or morning is going to come into its own because he has found some extraordinary psychological and psychohistorical angles on what might be going on vis-a-vis -vis the team at JPL, the folks that are actually prosecuting the Perseverance and Ingenuity missions. And last but not least, well, there, there's two people. One is Kinthea, who is our resident artist, exec, uh, producer of The Other Side of Midnight and The Other Side of the News. And since we're discussing this morning with, with uh, some material that, Tim, uh, that, Tim, that Andrew has worked on uh, with great length and has found some extraordinary uh, new material, uh, I'm sure she's going to have some things to say about it. The other thing is Tim Saunders is with us. He is a nautical engineer and designer. Uh, he's currently working on a on a yacht, which is taking 29 hours per day. But in his non-spare time, he's actually created some designs for the putative dome uh, over the Jezero crater. And that dome is going to be the key to unlocking, well, you know, the, the secret of the model that I've been putting forward for many, 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 many years, which is that we are all at some level... Martians, and we are all simply trying to find, including Elon Musk, 
our way home. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard Z. Hoagland. We shall return. As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online and then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed or if you ignore it, right? 
then how can you make the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, accept our mess, and now know that that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer, and I was on the other side of the news, and I really enjoyed my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and, and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and, and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important and these are the times to do it and we're being asked to pay attention and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond beyond the box. You know, when I heard that song many, many years ago, I said, oh my gosh, because they've got it. We are taking, if this model is correct, and everything we find, everything we put together, every new piece of data says, in fact, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at Mars, which used to be the home of humankind, until something very unusual, something dramatic, something history-making, something shattering happened, and we wound up coming home to here. And now we're looking, particularly through the eyes of this individual, this extremely extraordinary historical figure named Elon Musk. We're looking at Mars, and we're looking to find the long way home. Um, we are having some technical difficulties in getting Bob Harrison's uh, material loaded, and I want to I wanna have Bob have full time to actually talk about and, and present what he's found, because he's found something truly extraordinary. So we're going to do a little bit of a change-up. We're going to change our lineup, and so what I want you to do, Andrew, are you on deck? Are you, are you ready to uh, uh, do what we're planning to do? Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. His items are there. I am not seeing them. I am I'm clicking Click on the Bob links. I did. And it takes me Re Reload your browser. I did. 
I even I even got out and backed up, went back in. It's the same. Richard, floor. I can see them. Well, I can't. Why can't well, I? I'm saying I have I have like the worst connection of the group, so I'm just saying. Well, again, yeah, somebody's fussing with my somebody's fussing with my computer. So Bob can. It's important, Bob. Can you yeah. see your items, Mr. Harrison? Hello. Yes. Um, I can't see the items that were up before. Uh, it's gone back to the way things were. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're what was there before that was changed, and I don't understand. Yeah. So, while we try to figure this out, um, let me bring Andrew on because I don't want to give short shrift to what Bob has found. So let's kind of straighten this out. Because if some people are seeing one thing and I've been refreshing and I'm not seeing it, it means that everybody out there in Radio Land is not going to see the current page. Something something slipped, you know, or someone is doing something. Of course, no one likes to hear when I say that. So, Andrew, we will begin with you until we figure out why Bob's items, because without the items, you know, what he's going to tell us is kind of meaningless. So let's go with you. You have been working on a section of the Jezero imaging from Perseverance. So why don't you, um, and what you can do is in the uh, Fast Links items, click on Andrew, and that takes you to, uh, takes a while. There we are. Andrew's items, click on Andrew, that will take you to his items. And uh, just take us away, because you found uh, something absolutely extraordinary as well. I mean, we are, we are, we are rich tonight in extraordinary things to talk about and to show and tell. So, take it away. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Um, well, building on last week's sort of introduction, uh, let's just go right away to my items. So, it's called number one, AC Wall of Faces. It's under my items. And this is the Percy Supercam Kodiak Temple North Mosaic Enhanced. So and if you click on it again, it gets even bigger. Yeah, it gets really large. So, I took this... Richard, who put this together? Who, who do we know that did this one? I know it wasn't any of, any of us. It right? was not JPL. No. It was not any member of the imaging team. It was a it was a one of these civilian scientist imaging types working through Reddit or, yeah, I, I think this was posted on Reddit. And since everybody uses pseudonyms, it's it's pointless trying to credit anybody because nobody yeah. wants to stand behind their work, which I find dumb. You know, if you want to be credited, use your real name. So it's yeah. an unnamed. Very good imaging in individual, a, a civilian, who's done what JPL should, of course, do, and puts together these mosaics. And the the first SuperCam image that you're working from was taken maybe two, three weeks ago. Yeah. They've now moved the rover several, you know, almost a thousand feet further south, and they took another SuperCam mosaic uh, yesterday. And they posted that in the raw images, and we're in the process of assembling that. So we will have stereo, because these are. This is not a flat wall. This yeah. is a series of bas reliefs, literally sculpted out of this hundred foot high, three hundred foot wide circular quote cliff. That's not really a cliff. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So what I did last week is I focused on, you know, one particular feature, you know, way over to the right on the more, the more uneroded side of this, well, what 
uh, yeah, remember this mass. is a round structure, so yeah. this is a it's circumference. Not a side. It's yes. not a si- exactly. It's like a side of a roundhouse. Yeah, uh, and on the on the far right, that's turning the curve around to the northeast and the north, which has been protected from the prevailing winds at Jezero, which blow from the south and southwest. So there's much more erosion damage on the left hand side of this set of freezes. And I use that name specifically. You might define what a freeze is. And the erosion gets less and less as you work your way from left to right. Yeah. Well, freeze is a good way to put it, Richard, because freezes are, I mean, Ron could probably address this better than me, but that's usually like a small section on a building, uh, you know, line. Ron, how would we term this? Lining the top of almost like a above like just just below a roof line it would be and, and it would be sort of telling like a sculpture telling a story but coming out of the um but it'd be small and more like a detail but you're right richard in a way this is it's kind of like what it is because it's it's a bigger structure right or what we think is a is a temple but i guess a ball relief is probably a little more appropriate because it really is something that's sculpted out of well if this thing is really ancient this this what we think is a, a, a you know a, a, a temple of some sort then these we're thinking that these later people literally carved into the more ancient you know structure and this is the kind of thing we see on earth right and i'm going to come to that later in um uh, one of my other posters but last week i took a little screen capture of one feature that i think stands out very well which i was saying it's a cat i've done the same thing again this week to start off but I want to show something else that there's an added detail. So if you go to my number one and you look at what I boxed out and then you just scroll down the page. And what I did is I enhanced that little area a bit and I brought out the features and then I kind of did my own digital painting of it. And I kind of just like last week. And it's actually on the show banner, I believe, Richard. We've used that for the show tonight. And to me, it looks very feline. Like it literally, literally looks like a lion face. But here's the thing, and this is one quality that we've seen over and over again in what we believe is art on Mars. And it's it's a term that Keith Laney has often used, and that is something called nested art. So if we go out of this, click out of this, as I say, this is just a review from last week kind of, and go to my number two. It's called Wall of Faces Nested Art. And what mm. I did is I, yeah. Oh, is, wow. Oh, you found him. Yes. You found the little kitten under the big cat. <laughs> and Richard, there might be a third, but I just didn't have time. Like, but literally, look, we've been talking about this, that these these people, the, the Martians, were literally putting images within images within images. And it's not something that you can literally process all at the same time. You have to kind of, you know, assess one you know, larger piece and then within the larger mm. piece – the mouth or nose might make up yet another face. And we see this over, you know, we see this in Mesoamerican art. We see this in Hindu art. Uh, again, Ron could probably, you know, bring more in on this than I can. Well, the first but, example that I laid out at the UN back in, what, 92, was that the infamous face at Sidonia is a fusion of a left and a right half that the left half is hominid, primitive, proto-human, and the right half is feline, looks like a lion, like a huge lion. And then as you look at this this mile-long, 1,500-foot-high statue there staring straight up into space, 
you see that there are other faces and other representations in the classic face on Mars. It's the biggest example of this uh, nested art or fusion art or juxtaposed art or multi-meme art, meaning that the artists, artists, plural, the Martian artists, were exquisite experts at communicating many different things with a piece of art simultaneously. Yeah, which in so many ways to me, Richard, um, and this is a conversation Ron and I had earlier this week, we were we started talking about those weird 3D posters from the 1990s. You remember it was just like a, like all these repeated patterns and it would just look like a visual mess. I, I, again, Ron, sorry to keep bringing up Ron. Stereo, auto stereograms. Auto stereograms. Remember those, Richards? Were those, Richard? were those the ones made out of plastic where you had multiple rule lines that were kind of synthetic holograms? No, they look like uh, they look like the charts that an eye doctor will have you look at to test for color blindness. Oh, you're talking about the random dot thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. It doesn't have to be. It can be embedded in another image. It doesn't have to be on an abstract background. And uh, the that's that's what that's what Andrew was trying to allude to here. And he's right. There, there's a lot of controversy over what to call this stuff because it's not a normal facet of art on this planet but people are aware that it works yeah and in those old posters you'd have to stare at them for you know quite a while and then suddenly something in you know there'd be a pattern that would come out an image would appear in the middle of this poster and it, we were almost we were playfully talking about this going gosh this art is almost like that because richard i'm and now that mm -hmm. you said there's there's another angle on this on this um Ball relief or 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 this freeze. Mm. I have a feeling we're going to see not not just what I think we've found here, but even more faces. Of course we are. And remember, just a couple of weeks ago, we said, wouldn't it be nice to have another, you know, image taken from a different angle? I think I said it last week. Yeah. And then lo and behold, three or four days later, the JPL team promptly does exactly that, and provides it to us. And we'll next week we'll report on what we find there. And maybe if we're really lucky, we can have Tim in the computer synthesize the two views and give us a computer modeling, which probably won't beat your artistic eye, Andrew, but it'd be nice to have a separate opinion, yeah. a, kind of an AI opinion of what's there. But there's certainly a ton of stuff that's still mm. there after all yeah. these millennia of erosion. Yeah, and that's the key word is, well, two key words is millennia and erosion i mean this stuff is battered to hell right and a lot of it's sort of um sagging and you know there must have been a whole bunch of things that happened to this art well look at the but, talus slope below this yeah. vertical 100 foot give or take cliff you can see all the pieces kind of reminding me of that uh, james taylor song sweet dreams and flying machines and pieces on the ground yeah well and and you know listen another thing about this is that you you repeatedly see faces in this thing and you repeat and even if it's just very subtle you can see and especially what looks like human proportion faces in fact richard some of these sort of um leonid faces almost look kind of like half human half cat to me like i'm going hmm, it's kind of moving from a cat more to a human now that could be because it's so eroded and it's just getting, you know, the details are getting lost. But some of it just looks like they're showing 
a deeper meaning. And and you talked about a lot of this art is almost like cubism. And remember, cubism, the cubists were trying to look at all sides of of a three-dimensional object. So like a person, let's say it was a, I don't know, a, a painting of a of a of, of a model, of a female model. And what they were attempting to do was examine all the sides simultaneously. And this is the kind of quality we get in the Martian art, which to me, again, this is a conversation we've had, you know, many times. It speaks of multi-dimensionality. Yes. It's almost like yeah, like mm-hmm. their minds are, are operating on many levels simultaneously. It's I I I said to you Or the art is intended to communicate multidimensionality. Yeah. Yeah, and I tell you, Richard, I I was so excited this week looking at this stuff because, honestly, you could write a thesis on this wall even just from this wall because it's amazing. It's a there's there's a story being told here. This is this is the thing, and I and I don't know if that's my next poster. Well, let's come let out of me, here. Let me go look. Okay, so we want number three. I know. Okay, so I did a little more breakdown. So I call this um, wall of faces seek and find. So. Again, anybody can do this if you just sort of randomly move around this this magnificent. Um, excuse me. Uh, um, oh, look at the um, Darth Vader character. Oh, Richard, it's or everywhere. maybe it's, maybe it's Lon Chaney. <laughs> I'm telling you, if if you can here, I, I you know number one again, it looks to me that it looks almost a bit uh, feline again. Again, I I could be projecting a lot, but there's some here. Some well, Andrew, faces. a face is a face is a face. Yeah. If 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 the if the meta message of the statue at Sidonia, the face on Mars, mm-hmm. was that genetically we are a fusion of hominids and feline genes, which has been my favorite model for years and years, and I've done a lot of background genetic research into cats, and we are the closest relative of cats that are that's not an of an, an, another primate. In other words, cats are the closest other species genetically to human beings. I mean, isn't that special? Given that there's a mile-long thing on Mars that's screaming that into space, into the night. And you know another beautiful quality about cats, and it's one thing I've noticed. I mean, we have two cats, one that's uh, an old fella and then a, a young one that she's just two. And they're even in their as they age, there's this beautiful um, pride about these animals, and they have this <laughs> gorgeous chin. I thought that I, was just they... about lions. <clears throat> <laughs> well, I, I mean, all cats—they have this this very distinctive chin that just you know comes out and gives them this this very—I don't even know how to say it—just a, a just a very proud look. And um, I'm noticing that in the art is that the, the, the chin always comes out and, and there's a little bit of the sloping forehead back. And you see this consistently. Whereas with these images, I'm definitely seeing either, you know, humanoid type uh, faces or these sort of crowned kinged faces or even beards. I mean, again, heavily, heavily, heavily eroded. But they're there, Richard. And they're, and you can, and anybody can go, I mean, look through this stuff and you could just doodle your way to mm. finding it. And again, if, if it's the old man in the hills, I can see finding it once, maybe twice, yeah. but 50 times in, in one piece? Like, come on. On a no. freeze, which is 300 feet long, if you project it plan view, actually 288 to be exact, and almost 100 feet high. And looks and, to be divided into panels. 
Yes, it does. And it sits out there on the landscape because, you know, the way Perseverance is sitting out taking shots of it. And it's meant to be seen. That's another thing. It's just so beautifully designed in the landscape. Well, all the faces are facing the crater, the dome, the city that was in Jezero Dome. So everybody in that dome could look and see this extraordinary work of art, which with any, you know, pair of binoculars, even if you were 30 miles away, you'd be able to see. Yeah. And you and you made the key comment, Richard, is when we see something in panels, when it's artistic and Cynthia and Ron would attest to this, is you're telling a progressive story and i even though this thing is in you know is it's in shambles and it's hard to read and we all may read it a slightly different way i can't that bad well you're right ron but what i can't help getting the feeling guys and gals is that there's a rhythm to the panels there's something there's almost like a, a, a a pulse like a like a like a an artery or a series of arteries running well in the middle and it's so eroded that I can't really tell what it's supposed to be. There's something which is framed. It's yeah. two panels wide. It's under a, a an arched, yes. almost like a doorway. I know. And it's you're... huge. It's 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 easily a hundred feet wide. And it's so eroded I can't tell my I can't tell what it was supposed to be, but I have a feeling it was the central figure yeah. of this tableau of this storyline. And doesn't it sit perfectly right in the well middle yeah. of this yeah. roundabout? Yeah, and it and it's it's almost like wings opening up on both sides, and so you just in, intrinsically, instinctively feel this pulse, this this some kind of storytelling. All right, if if there are folks out there, and I don't want to interrupt, but let me do two things. One housekeeping, Bob, mm-hmm. keep refreshing your page, and when your stuff comes up, let me know. Just break in; it's very informal, you know, because I can't read. In the Skype window. Um, And back to what we're talking about. If this is a story, if it is a history, it's a history, remember, in the model that was left by us. We're not projecting on alien psychology. We're simply looking back at human psychology on another world. And what would we all do if we were there and wanted to tell a story? So we're looking at human psychology just in a different era, a different time, and a different planet. And I think that's the key, Richard, is I, I think I said to you the other day in, in one of our chats, uh, you know, pre-planning and, and all that, and just going back and forth with information, is that I, I just began to immerse in this stuff, and I literally felt my own my own blood you know sort of rising up and going oh wow and and, and i'm like holy and, and it's like yeah it's like a mirror it's like you're meeting yourself again because I, I kept saying i would love to sit and talk to these artists i'd like to actually see if i could relate to them and well i can because it's exciting me right? see the most shocking thing to me of all of the decades i've been doing this hmm. was when i realized sitting there as i said in monuments all alone except for the clock and the cat and I realized we were looking at something left by humans. Yeah. Something Mount left... Rushmore is going to end up looking exactly like this in a few thousand years. It could. It'll be it, the same exactly. Thing. Yes, 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 Keith. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so um, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, and what came to my mind, and we're coming up on a break at the top of the hour, so 
Uh, don't let me forget, you know, get lost in my thoughts here. But my first thought was Ray Bradbury, which was a novel based on a collection of short stories that appeared in some of the science fiction magazines of the era, collected into a novel called uh, The Martian Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the MacGuffin, the big punchline at the end of the novel, is when the protagonist looks into the canal with his children and they see their reflection and he says, we are the Martians. And that to me, when I was reading that as a kid, was like this, holy cow, what a concept. We go to another planet, Mars, and we meet ourselves. That's tonight, boys and girls, all over the world, if you're listening, that's what we have found. We have met our relations, and they is us on a freeze on a planet millions of miles away. Yeah, well said. Well said, Richard. Now, I know we're getting close. I'd love to tease the yeah, next yeah. one. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we have about two minutes, so tease away. Okay. Well, let's go come out of that one and go to my number four. Now, I wanted oh, to try to... Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh, I love this. Oh, I yeah. love this. Ah, perfect. Yeah, so there's this... Um, and I know I, it's going to take a bit of time to... Then, but, then set, well, do, do the setup, and we'll come back okay. to it when we come off the break. Well, the, the thing that, that reminded me sort of in our pop culture, this, this um, Kodiak Temple, North Mosaic Enhanced, was something from Star Wars, and specifically Episode How 3. appropriate. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. And it was the antechamber of... Well, he wasn't the Emperor at the time, but it was um, the Chancellor who we find out is the Sith Lord, and, and Anakin is about to arrest him. And I have an image, if you look, of him arrest, about to arrest uh, the Chancellor. And in the background is this bas-relief. And what it is, is it's called the... Oh, it's great... even in panels! Yes, <laughs> it, and it's rounded, Richard. It's, it's, it's curved, yes! It's curved, and it was Only this, great... is, this is concave, and the, and the, the, the yeah. Jezero freezes... Or convex. That's right. And it was called the Great Hyperspace War Ball Relief. And the whole, you know, canon, the, the canon or the, the, the description behind the canon is um, uh, Palpatine, the Chancellor, who is secretly a Sith Lord, had basically uh, ordered this uh, Baha Relief to be put into the antechamber because it was a commemoration of a great battle between the Siths and the Jedi. And I'll leave it there, Richard, because I know we're really close to the break, and I know you want to take us out. <laughs> okay. So let me... I'm doing a couple of little housekeeping things here. Um, all right. Um, then I have to do that, and then I do that, and there we are. Okay. Uh, okay, folks, this is just the beginning of this extraordinary tableau we're going to present for you tonight. The Art and Architecture of Mars. Mars is not the planet of war, although my guest next week, John Brandenburg, has extraordinary evidence that war befell this planet of artists. But that's for another time and another place. Tonight we're talking about the visual striking evidence that we're looking at our own ancestry thousands, maybe millions of years ago, who left this stunning tableau of how we came from Earth to Mars and back again for the denizens, whoever lived 
whatever humans our great 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 grandmothers lived in this ancient city under a glistening glass dome with at the southern end a duplicate geometrically of the Giza Plateau pyramids arranged in exact mimicry of the constellation the belt stars of Orion an unexplicably definite connection between this place on Mars and this other special place on Earth. And this is only the beginning. You're on the, you're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.